Welcome to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast, a journey of self-discovery and transformation. Moira Sutton and her amazing guests share real-life stories, tools, and strategies to inspire and empower you to create and live your best life. Come along on the journey and finally blast through any fears, obstacles, and challenges that have held you back in the past so you can live your life with the joy, passion, and happiness that you desire. Now, here's your host, Create the Life You Love Empowerment Life Coach, Moira Sutton. Welcome to episode 13, Being the CDO of Your Life, with our special guest, speaker and author, Debrina jackson Gandhi. Debrina is a three-time nationally published author, master life coach, TV relationship expert, transformational facilitator, world traveler, I love that, and owner of Masterminds, which is a personal growth and spiritual development company for the past 25 years. She's been seen in Oprah's O Magazine, as well as Essence, Ebony, Black Enterprise, and Women's Day. She is also a popular radio show and podcast guest. That's why we have her today. <laughs> and the founder of Juicy Woman University and the Love Academy. Mm. Debrina teaches you how to redesign and align your life around true joy, love, peace, freedom, and flow. She believes this starts first with recognizing that you are the CDO of your life. Enjoy our heartfelt conversation today where Debrina will reveal the meaning of CDO and more importantly, what it means and looks like to move through your life from a place of being this. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce you to our special guest, Debrina jackson Gandhi. Welcome, Debrina. Hello. Thank you for having me, Maura. Oh, this is going to be fun. It's going <laughs> to be juicy. That's what I'm yes, going to say. Yes, 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 yes. Juicy, juicy. Love that word. How did you come up with that word before we dive in? <laughs> Well, you know, it actually goes back to my very first book, Sacred Pampering Principles, that came out in 1997. So I have been using that word for a few decades now, and it was included um, very briefly in that book. And then my second book, All the Joy You Can Stand, I had a couple, couple of chapterettes that talked about being bold, bodacious, succulent, and juicy. And women just resonated with the language. So I have just stayed with using that word juicy, and it seems to have really universal appeal. <laughs> and we're, yes. And I love how you say it. It just rolls. We're going to get into that later about words in our, you know, and how our words can really create in our life, our, our creative force, our, our life to live our best life. So we'll get into that later. But yes, love, love, love. <laughs> I want to start by diving into what does CDO mean? And what are one of the concepts that you teach about being the CDO of your own life? Yeah. Well, you know, when we think about a traditional corporation, we're used to the acronym CEO, Chief Executive Officer, we're used to COO, Chief Operations Officer. And so several years ago, I said, well, how about in our personal lives, the recognition that we are the CDO, the Chief Design Officer, mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. each of us has been given the honor and privilege of having the drafting pen in our hand. 
And contrary to our conditioning, the mass mind thinking, um, popular opinion, uh, what we have been um, programmed into, that we really do each have this amazing uh, capacity and power to think and conceive and design, decide and design the kind of lives that we want to lead and live. Mm -hmm. So, um, and especially uh, sometimes as women, we can, because we um, have children or we have family, or we can start to forget that we still, no matter what, are the chief design officers and the domain internally, our thought space, our inner space, nobody can take that from us and no one can rob us of that. And that's where the designing begins. Mm-hmm. I love that decide and just, des- and then design and also leading and living. That's so powerful. Oh, you're good at catching words. I love that. I love words. <laughs> I, why. I love words. And when I sound, yeah, very, very important. I'm so what, with you on that. Yes. yes. So what are the premises of this principle? Share a few of those with us. You, you have already, but yeah. just expand well, on One that. is that we are um, endowed hmm. by our creator with some abilities and some capacities. And, and when you look at those, it's very clear that we are intended to be the designers of our lives. So when you look at our ability to be self-aware, our ability to have language, our ability to think um, thoughts, which are energy forms, which are real things, which carry an impulse, Um, which can then lead to certain emotional responses and then certain choices and actions and behaviors. And we have imagination, the ability to image within ourselves a reality that has not yet even happened outside of ourselves. Like how amazing. Mm -hmm. If we were not sure that we had a loving creator, look at the imagination faculty we were given as human beings such an incredible mind-blowing blessing. And so the imagination, the ability to create an inner image at our own will and design and based upon our own desire, and then have the ability and the capacity to actually over time manifest it as a lived physical reality in our lives. Oh my gosh, that is something all of us possess as a capacity. And clearly we are intended and we are made and we are endowed with the ability to, to be intentional, thoughtful, um, strategic, if that word works better for some people, but definitely very intentional back to that first word about designing our lives. So everything about how we're made supports that. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that one of my favorite quotes is Einstein, that imagination is more powerful than knowledge. And that always got goosebumps that the idea that, that we imagine, if you desire something, you imagine it, you can create it. Yes. Oh my goodness. How amazing is that? And I think we can easily take that for granted. Um, you know, it was just, just such a simple thought. Even just yesterday morning, I was lying in my bed. And I was having thoughts about, do I want to lie here longer or 
do I want to go ahead and get up? And so the latter thought was what I chose to do, go ahead and get up. And then my whole body with all of its bones and organs and everything got up out of my bed because of the thought to do so. And I stopped and was just floored by the ability to have an internal impulse run through my mind and then mobilize my entire physical frame and move in the direction of getting ready for my day. And that same kind of capacity on an amplified level is available to us for whatever we want to do in our lives. Now, it may take some time. You may need to enlist some support and team members and increase your wisdom and knowledge. And there may be some other things involved along the way. But the same process that was evident in that moment on an amplified level is available for us to manifest whatever we want in our lives. So, so just, you know, it shows up in just the simplest things that we can very easily take for granted. Um, And the ability to choose, you know, lay Mm -hmm. in bed longer, arise and start my day and move towards the bathroom to brush my teeth. And then there was many other options I could have chosen, but I was able to have my body follow the thought. And so that's how we've been made. And that is so amazingly incredible to me. We're like many creators, many manifestors. Um, But often what we're designing is not what we want. Or we are designing what is not in line with our inner joy with what makes our hearts sing, Mm -hmm. with our passions, with our personal life assignment or life mission. And that's where we then start to experience stress and the the various forms of dis-ease that manifest when we're not living in accord with our divine design. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I know that, but how does someone who... It's not happy in their life. How how do they begin to tap into that power within and connect up with that source? If yeah. they if they're feeling, you know, my life's not going the way I want, it sucks, or whatever their story that they're telling themselves, how yeah. do they begin to make those empowered choices and start to manifest that life that you talk about with deep yeah. joy, inner peace, prosperity, and happiness? Yeah. Well, first of all, we already are connecting to our own personal <clears throat> personal power source. And the, the question becomes, are you designing and manifesting what you desire or what you say you desire? So you're manifesting something. So all of us are powerful beings already designing and manifesting. The question is, is it in line with what you say you want? And so um, that's the first thing to recognize. Because you may be unhappy does not mean that you are powerfully manifesting. You are, but you've manifested something that is not... Um, what you really want or not what is working for you. Or for your highest. That's right. And the same process, here's the deal, the same process where you manifest what you don't want is the exact same process where you manifest what you do want. And so, um, so for example, what we think about the most, we bring about. Mm -hmm. And that's a key part of design. And 
you know, in my life, I spend intentional time thinking intentionally about the life I want to continue to be living. And I find, I mean, life has slowed down, hopefully, for many of us in this pandemic season we're in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, especially here in these United States, we were moving way too fast and it was creating all kinds of negative byproducts. Mm -hmm. And so most people, if you took a look inside the interior of their day, and you could be a video camera to travel with them for a few days, you wouldn't see any intentional set aside time to contemplate one's life. Most of us don't have that as a real ingredient of our lives. And yet we wonder how we got to this place of where I'm not happy or to this place of where I'm depressed. And so that's one of the first things that, that, we want to add back into our lives is okay. Give yourself some time to think, stop being distracted, multitasking, doing 8 million things at once and just sit down where the purpose is to get clear about the desires of your heart and start by life areas. Cause to think of our entire life is a little overwhelming for example, in Juicy Woman University, my 12-month life transformation course, I break it down into kind of eight major chunks. So it's not just too overwhelming. So with your body, with your relationships, with your spaces, with your money, um, with your mind. So you can, eat, you, you know, a person could say, okay, I'm going to start doing this thing. I heard Debrina mention, where do I start? Okay, well, I'm going to start with my body. What do I desire with my body? What do I want to have going on with my body? What kind of experience do I want to have with, with my body? How do I want my, my, my body to feel? So to just spend a little time getting clear about that will put us head and shoulders above most people because no one's stopping to have that. In, not many are stopping to have that intentional thought. Then if you write it down so it's captured in permanency, not just a fleeting thought through your head, that concretizes it to another level. And the fact that you've spent some time thinking about it now has it more present in your consciousness. So just that, if you did nothing else from that point, except you spent some time to get clear and think about it, and then you wrote it down, that would increase the likelihood of it coming to pass by at least 50%. Mm -hmm. And so then if you devote disciplined, continuous time as part of your day or your week to this clarity and thinking time and writing it down time. And you might've started with body and now you move on to money and now you move on to relationship with um, a spouse or a love partner or to your relationship with your children, if you have them. So now what can start to happen is once that clarity is present, I now have a North star. So if I'm thinking about choices to make and I check back to the desire of my heart because I spent some time thinking about it, I know out of line with what I say I want. So what often happens is we haven't had that clarity. So we're making choices all over the place. Mm. And then we look up 10, 20 years later and say, what? I don't like what I've created. I don't like what's around me. I don't like this life I have. 
So it's almost going in reverse to look at the process that got us there is also how we can deconstruct and recreate a newly designed life. And to realize that we have a, a choice point in our life at every moment. So if there's, we don't like our life, um, I hear a lot of people, not a lot of people, but my clients come to me to start is, I don't like this, I don't want this. They know what they don't want, but they really don't have any clarity on what they truly want. And it's really like an onion process. Like they say what they want, but that's not what they want. <laughs> they, maybe they want more money. Maybe they want the relationship for some reason, but it's something deeper. So it's, I keep asking them till they break it down to keep taking the onion skins off to really, truly understand what do they desire? What do they truly want? And as you know, a desire a desire is placed on our hearts for a reason for us to follow it. And, you know, Wayne Dyer talks about it's a non-negotiable for you to give up your passions and your desire that's placed there for you to manifest that and desire is of the father. So again, whatever that is for the person, higher self, God, the universe to yeah. realize it's placed there for you. That gift is there for you. Yes. And I love, I love all the intentional stuff you speak about because I'm all about intention and, but let's let's just go back to what you were saying with thoughts and feelings. That if someone, I, I hear your steps there. Can I? Someone, can I? Yeah. Can I go. just insert something. So yes. that is so powerful. Where you said most people know what they don't want, mm -hmm. and when we speak, we speak with a lot of contractions: don't, can't, mm -hmm. shouldn't. Mm -hmm. That is not the language of a designer. Mm -hmm. That's a, the language of someone who's relinquished the fact that they are the chief design officer. Mm -hmm. So. We have to understand to step into that versus relinquish it or shirk it unconsciously or unintentionally. We have to change our language to what we do want mm -hmm. because our dominant thought is what life has been set up to say, your wish is my command if you say so. So if your dominant thought, thoughts are real, thoughts have electromagnetic energy. They mm -hmm. are real measurable things. So if your thoughts have been preoccupied on what you don't want, and that's been what's taken up kind of like the movie screen of your life, then your life says, your wish is my command, whoop, and you manifest that. And so life has no judgment. Life says, I'm waiting on instructions from you based on your thoughts and your words. And while you're your vibrating. Energy, mm -hmm. Right? And your, and your uh, communicators called emotions. And I deliver based upon that. So first of all, people need to recognize they got to reel their thoughts in and also their language in. And knowing what you don't want can help direct you to what you, what you do want. But designer language is being clear about what you do want. So using more, M-O-R-E, is general and vague. That's not designer language. And so if someone says, I want to... Um, um, more money, or I want a better relationship. More and better are not designer language. They're a direction, but they're not specific. So what does a better relationship look like? What would be happening? What would be occurring? Be able to bring that to your lips, to speak it, to say it, to write it. Because if it's not crystallized enough to speak it or say it or write it, then internally it's still vague and amorphous. And again, life is waiting for clear instructions. If you want more money, well, what quantity are we talking about? And what would you be doing with it? Mm -hmm. and, That's important. <clears throat> right? And what would you be doing with it? Why do you want more? And um, so those kinds of 
kinds of specifics? And how would you like to generate that additional money? Um, so I just wanted to, to catch that point real quick before we moved on, because that is the pattern of thinking that is so socially acceptable. Complaint, what we don't want, feeling disempowered, what's not working, but we don't want to park there. Let it direct you to what you do want and be able to crystallize that into words that you speak, words that you write, words that you pray, words that you share with your power partner or your accountability buddy. Um, that's a key shift that is, is one of the step ones that people need to be sure to make. I think the other part there, thank you, Debrina, is for people to take responsibility for their lives and, and don't blame themselves, judge themselves, um, but really get, like you're saying, clear on what you want, ask, allow, and surrender it to how that shows up because, you know, the universe knows better than we do how to orchestrate that. You know, I have yeah. some dr dreams in the future to live on a sailboat and be out your way, <laughs> go down Seattle on the course and go out to BC. And I don't know what it's going to look like. I have responsibilities in my life right now. Um, so to, the universe knows what I want. I'm clear of it and what that will give to the lifestyle for my husband and I. And just leave it. Let it unfold. You know, a year to us might seem a long time, but to the universe, no. <laughs> we don't have to know the time in that. But also by taking responsibility in how we respond to things versus reacting. And once we know when we take responsibility for our life, that's when you get into that empowered, inspired position that, wow, I, I created this. And not from a you know, a huge ego thing, but from, oh, I'm the writer of my own story and I can rewrite it. I can bring in the actors. It can be called a drama or a comedy, all those different things that once you step into that and realize, like you said, you can manifest the life you, you truly love. Yeah. And, and there's a few things to also be aware of because we can say we desire something and we can say we want something, but there's a little culprit that can come in and undermine all of it. And that is our beliefs mm -hmm. and our beliefs are subterranean. They're not so apparent and easily identifiable to us. And so, and, and this, you know, this has happened in my life and I've seen it happen many times in the lives of my students where they say, well, Debrina, I was clear. I wrote it down. I um, have been praying about it and it hasn't come to pass. Well, well, there might be some specific aligned action. The person um, is supposed to be taking and is not, but let's say that all those things are happening. Well, if beliefs are still in place beneath the actions beneath the words that contradict or are counter to what a person says they want, the beliefs will win every time. Yes. They're that powerful. So there may be some healing that is necessary to remove interference with the design coming to pass. Or um, there may, and, and healing work can include belief work. That's a real key part of work I do with people. Or forgiveness work is a great spiritual tool to help us clean and clear out emotions, beliefs, um, residue in our being that could be interfering with our ability to bring the design into our real lives. Um, and then you can have other people, you know, other human beings that 
can unknowingly or intentionally be interfering with um, what you are wanting to bring into a real design. Um, others who are jealous, others who don't believe, others who um, are envious, others who don't wish the best for us for whatever those various reasons are. So we also have to keep all those pieces in mind because they're there too and they make the journey extra interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are teachers many times and it takes um, I think a lot when we have adversity or people who we feel are attacking us or in our energy. Um, I'm an empath so I feel it in a, in a very big way and I have to keep tools and strategies with white light and be in the space of nature and to look after my own energy field so I can yes. be there a service for myself and to the people that I'm here to serve. You talked about forgiveness. That's a biggie. You know, a lot of people feel like forgiveness, oh, I can't for forgive them. They did such wrong to me. And I have people in my life like that. And I, again, I have to work at it. How do you tell, how do you share with people some strategy? How, how can they start forgiving themselves to start with and then others? Yeah. Well, um, forgiveness isn't necessarily a strategy, but it is a, it is a process with some very specific steps and it's to achieve, um, personal freedom. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about, I can't forgive the other person that lets me know, we don't really understand forgiveness because it's really a personal liberation process. Um, so often our focus is in the wrong place. It's on the person and what they did to us. And then depending on how hurtful or egregious that was, it's like, oh, I can't forgive that person. That is a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness mm -hmm. is the process. And there's, there's five steps to being complete in your forgiveness work. And the, the process is not to be done only one time because we have years of unreleased and built up what I call lower level emotions and faulty beliefs that we've accumulated in our life. So, um, so forgiveness is the process of identifying the situations behind which you are left with low level emotions that um, are not having your heart fully open, that are compromising your self-expression, that depending on situations that have occurred. Um, because like I said, if we're not careful, then over time they can actually manifest as physical dis-ease. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really about personal liberation. And of course, you start with self and you extend outward to others. So in the forgiveness work I do with people, the person at the top of their list is always the self. And what are the situations that have occurred in your life where you have regret or you have resentment, or you have rejection, or you have rage, or you have, and there's a whole mm -hmm. list of really rich, lower level emotions that we can identify. Um, and those low level emotions affect our inner body, literally our organs, and our body is so attuned to energy, it affects and can infect our thoughts and how we interact and engage. It can affect our trust levels, our confidence levels, our esteem levels, which, which informs everything we do in our lives because wherever we go, there we are. So forgiveness <laughs> is a process first and foremost of, of setting, making yourself free. 
And that's why acknowledging and truth-telling um, is some of, one of the first steps of um, forgiveness work. Then there's transforming the emotion. There's releasing the emotion. Um, and oftentimes we don't know that there's steps to forgiveness. There's a sequence. And oftentimes we've done one step or two, but haven't done all five. And we haven't done all five more than once. Mm-hmm. I like that so more than once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So unfortunately, uh, so many of us are not free. And for example, in um, Juicy Woman University, there's always a unit on forgiveness. Every extended course that I do that's beyond like eight weeks there's always a forgiveness unit. So, and I do the forgiveness work along with my students because I want to stay clean, clear, free, (laughs) open-hearted. And so that happens at least twice a year for me. And that's been the case since, definitely since 2010, since I started doing extended courses. And so um, the same way we might work our bodies at the gym you see results, not because you went one time. Same thing with our inner spiritual forgiveness work is it is not a one and done that we have, um, I'm going to say years of a buildup of poo-poo <laughs> that there we got to shovel, right? And one scoop, two scoops will hold up. We got 30 years of buildup here. We got a little bit more forgiveness work to do before we address and clear the, the poo-poo. Um, <laughs> and the not a nice sight right and if the poo poo gets ignored it doesn't go away it still smells maybe not as strongly but it still smells and we definitely are aware of it so um, forgiveness clears the poo poo so you can be free to use that space and not have something um controlling you um emotionally or physically um And then as a result, the other person may experience a shift as well because we are all interconnected spiritually, Mm -hmm. whether we know it or not. And so you don't even have to tell another person that you're doing forgiveness work around a situation that occurred where they were involved. And because of the shift of energy from the work you're doing and the difference it makes in how you're thinking how you're showing up, your energy field, your perception of them and self and the situation, it could actually traverse across time and space and affect the other person. So there are many, 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 many stories my students have about when they started doing their own forgiveness work that the relationship shifted or the other person started acting differently or showing up differently. I said, well, isn't that interesting? Um, so that can be a delightful byproduct, but really forgiveness is a personal liberation process. Mm -hmm. And it can also go through generations. Like we carry from generational, you know, from way back that a lot of us, we're not, we're not conscious of it, but like you said, if you do the work and it's about doing the work, it's about doing the work for your life to create that awesome life that most people want. Yes. Yes, but it, it absolutely can be generational, mm-hmm. and um, it amazes me, and even diseases in the physical body can be generational, mm-hmm. um, not genetic, 
we'll say it's genetic and it's really the same thought processes, the same disposition, the same beliefs mm-hmm. have been present from generation to generation or the same diet. And then we say it's genetic. Oh, my mom had it. Therefore, the chances of me having it are greater. Well, how much of that is because of the training, the conditioning, the programming, the thoughts, the attitudes shaped in that environment? And now you're manifesting the same thing versus mm-hmm. it's encoded in your genes, gene sequence. So um, that's always been a fascinating inquiry for me. Um, but particularly when it's destructive or unhealthy habits or patterns or toxic habits, habits and patterns that are continuing from generation to generation, that is a classic indicator of there is some major healing and forgiveness work that needs to happen um, in that family line. Mm-hmm. And for people who... Um, you know, any kind of thing, like you said, like a disease that you're not in the flow of your body and your life, you're at disease. When I do Reiki, I do long distance Reiki and Reiki. Wonderful. Yes. And, and so, you know, and the angels come in and people come in to support the person and they're, they're saying, um, you know, what needs to be healed. And a lot of times it's going back to them being a child and that child part of them still holding the energy that they want to go play. And somebody might've forgotten to how to play they they're working so hard and they've got into that rut where you say right now too with this COVID-19 it's a gift in this this isn't being done to us it's being done for us that's my true belief and to really take the gifts out of that to take time to find out what you want to do um yeah and but in that this is uncertainty times for many people and they don't maybe have that view how would you help somebody gain more clarity and intention and energy and certainty around what's happening right now in these uncertain times? Well, that word uncertain times to me is very relative mm-hmm. because to me in many cases, in, in many ways, our lives have gotten very simplified by circumstance and our scope of concern has gotten much tighter now where it mainly is around the home as a base. Mm-hmm. And so we could say it's uncertainty or we could say things just got real simplified because, you know, if I think about the people who had to commute to work and maybe they drove 30 minutes or more to work and having to gas up your car the wear and tear on your car, the possibility of an accident while you were driving, not maybe even of your own causing, then having to get out of the car and go into your office or your job place. And then you need something for lunch and you need to be concerned about lunch. And then you have that work to do and people to interact with, maybe people you don't always like, creating stress on your system. And then you get back in the car eight hours later, nine hours later, six hours later, then you have the traffic to deal with or just the commute to deal with to get back home. So now we could, for many people, that got simplified. Mm -hmm. I commute to the table downstairs. I commute across the hall. I commute (laughs) to my counter. And so do we still say it's uncertain? Well, it's pretty certain. I don't have the chances of an accident. I don't, You know, I mean, so it really is the meaning we bring to this, the meaning we bring to this. I think 
for, for me, my choice is that this is a time of intense family relationship strengthening and nurturing and nourishing, an intense time of focusing on my wellness, my body temple, an intense time of having more stretches of prayer and meditation time with God, um, having deeper phone conversations with certain friends instead of, hey, I got to go. I only got 10 minutes. Hey, what's up? So now going deeper in conversations um, and the list goes on and on. And so I know my circumstance is not the same as, as other people's. There's many different experiences that are happening all inside this time. But we also have to really question, well, what is bringing the uncertainty? Yes, economically, um, you know, uh, you know, especially here in, in the U.S., having a capital, capitalist economic system, um, the very, some of the same big businesses that you would hear many people complain about, um, well, a lot of those businesses are now being challenged to stay open. And guess what? A lot of those big mis- businesses that you may have complained about were employing people. We're all interconnected. And so um, so there, so in some respects, we could say there's more certainty because of what we are clear about really matters most. People, relationships, we're interconnected. Um, that is, you know, sports, for example, and entertainment has been severely affected because those are group activities but they were entertainment. Sports is entertainment. Now those are professions for people, but it's entertainment. The concerts, those were entertainment. Those were such an essential part of especially the American lifestyle. And those things are gone or um, having to stay six feet apart. And wow, really becoming um, certain about how important touch and a hug or a handshake is. So at the same time that there's uncertainty because we don't have control of knowing or we don't have the same accoutrements and conveniences and freedom of movement in certain spaces, there's also certainty at the very same time, certainty about um, uh, love, certainty about relationships, certainty about what we've been avoiding, we can't avoid anymore. What we've been running from, we can't run from anymore. Certainty about moving so fast has us miss a lot. And so now we have an opportunity for many of us to move more slowly and certainty about now noticing some things. So we get to bring meaning to this moment. This is a defining moment. This is a time of reckoning And so many of the externals that we gleaned our feeling of certainty from are gone or altered or changed. And um, we're being required to get certain about what matters most. Definitely. It's, It's getting real clarity on what is important to you. You know, at the beginning of this, I know in our neighborhood, the families that were walking with their dogs and their children, they didn't have their phones in their hand. It was such a beautiful thing to see. And as time's gone along, 
we're seeing again some phones coming back and not so many people walking as they were at the very beginning because that was just like a beautiful time. Just walk with your family. You don't have to be on these contraptions and talking all the time. And, and you talk about the sacred self-caring consciousness and, you know, that that's like you said, it's about truly embracing that loving yourself a bit. And you said meditation and prayer and how people could incorporate those rituals into their life. Yes. Well, one of my intentions in my first book, Sacred Pampering Principles, and, and that was 20 years ago, and it's still amazingly just as relevant today and that has actually experienced a spike in sales because it's still relevant and even more so now because many of the things we were hanging our hat on saying that's where my certainty comes from have been shaken. Mm-hmm. And it's causing many of us to do some serious self-evaluation and serious soul searching. And for many of us, it's very destabilizing because maybe our roots weren't as deep as we thought they were, or our connection to source was not as strong as, as we thought it was, or our relationships weren't as um, connected and based in truth as we thought they were. And so the sacred self-caring consciousness isn't just about doing certain things to be good to ourselves, um, but a level of thinking that informs how you show up in the world. And a sacred self-caring woman recognizes that she is a soul with a mind, body, and a spirit, and she is committed to high-level care of all three of those dimensions of herself. Mm-hmm. So um, she doesn't just have a body, but she is operating from the truth that her body is a divine living temple. Definitely. And she doesn't just have a spirit, but she's operating from the commitment of having a full spirit. She doesn't just have a mind, but she's operating, operating from a commitment of having a clear mind. And as we know, you know, our minds often are like a runaway train, you know, the thoughts are like runaway trains. So even to bring your mind to clarity is no small task. Um, a, a sacred self-caring woman is not trying to save time and make time because time is 24 hours. We have 24 hours in a day. And that's based upon the revolution of the earth. So that's a natural timeline that we cannot alter. There's no 25th hour to find. There's no hour to save. We've got 24 hours. So a sacred self-caring woman is operating from the question, hmm, how am I managing my energy? How am I utilizing my energy on what with womb uh, and where? And so her commitment is first and foremost to managing her energy differently and not so much trying to save and make time. Um, So that's a different paradigm. That's a different orientation. Um, An orientation to a full spirit, staying connected to your joy. That's a different commitment than most people. Um, So that's really the kind of the the new breed of woman 2.0, 2.0, woman 2.0, that um, I am um, focused on helping bring uh, birth into the world. That's wonderful. I want to go back to that, as you said at the very beginning, about leading and living and how 
How do we take that lead in our own life? And how do we unlock and embrace our, our own unique genius, which each of us have in a life purpose? Yes, absolutely. Well, it goes back to that chief design officer. Mm-hmm. Um, because so many of us have been told how we are to live and what we are to desire and here's what you do and here's how it works. And we really have not experienced much leading. And if you just think about our 12 years of, of elementary, middle school and high school, much of that based on the current education system is being told something in the name of it being called knowledge and, and the teacher and the school board gets to decide what we are taught that is supposedly deemed important by said people. Mm-hmm. And so, and so we, we don't even question as much as we should. Even in class, there often is not time for dialogue and inquiry. There's memorizing and regurgitating on a test. So when you talk about being, when we talk about being chief design officer of your life, we're actually challenging some things we've been taught or told or shown. That was how I started my whole um, sacred pampering journey and this whole curiosity about um how might I live my life differently than I see most others doing? Because Mm -hmm. they don't seem joyous. They don't seem thrilled. They don't seem enthusiastic. And I mean, as a constant, more of the norm in your life, we all have our moments, but, and so that inquiry is what had me enter into what became the content of sacred pampering principles And I realized that it was a completely different axis that I was talking about revolving your life around. And, um, and so since then that has developed into a lot of wonderful courses and live events around this notion of being a sacred self-caring woman, AKA a juicy woman. One of the premises that she lives from as part of her core, one of her core beliefs Um, is that she's the chief design officer of her life. So now her choices are going to be aligned with that design. What she says yes to, what she says no to, are going to be aligned with that design. Mm -hmm. And so one of the most powerful ways to get your life back to what makes your heart sing, to what connects you to your joy is looking at the yeses and the nos in our life. And if we just start there, a lot of times what we're saying yes to, we really want to say no to, especially as women, because a lot of what we do is linked to doing for or with others, doing for others or helping others we may call it, which is not always helping. Sometimes it's disabling them. But if we can just start examining our yeses and our noes and asking, is that really a yes for me? Or do I really want to say no? Do I really want to say I'll pass? Do I really want to say that doesn't work for me? And we say yes. Looking at why we say yes when it's not true. And looking at where we've said no. 
And giving yourself um, permission, as you said, as women to say yes or no, because I've created a course years ago that I did about creating healthy boundaries. And that's important. <laughs> it's important, like you're saying, to the yes and no, but I love what you're saying behind it. Is it really a yes? Is it really a no? To really look at that, um, I, again, as a woman and a mother and a daughter and sister and all the rest, yes, <laughs> to do the work I do in the world, I have to create those healthy boundaries to to really honor my own energy again, as I said earlier, to show up in the world fully and to bring what I am here to do to, well, it's to show, to inspire and empower people to really live their best life on their terms and to yeah. the vibration of each other, the consciousness of the planet. So we, we heal humanity and Mother Earth. Yes. Well, you know, you asked earlier about generational patterns. And so as we talk about the modeling we have from other women, we can't put this on men, the modeling we have from other women, the programming and conditioning we receive from other women, instead of it being generational, it's, it's gender-rational, <laughs> mm. where it's being passed on along the gender line, not family line. And I know there was, and my mother is a very successful, well-accomplished, um, she's a doctor of education, um, highly respected in the community, a leader. And so there was many things about how she showed up in her life that I'm like, absolutely, I want to carry that on. But then as a, as a woman growing up in the South, her mother died when she was 13 and she was the oldest daughter. She became a surrogate mother when she was still in middle school, which mm -hmm. blows my mind. But, but that set a certain patterning into play and a certain way of engaging with others and perceiving the world where attention to her own body temple was often last and least, that um, support of others to her own um, disadvantage um, was something I saw her do, have a hard time saying no when that should have been the answer, um, taking on yet another thing and saying yes instead of saying no, especially when it came to um, tending to her own mind, body, and spirit, um, having a hard time asking for help because of, again, that, that generational programming. Um, and so those pieces, I said, ah, I'm not interested in carrying that on. I observed with an awake, alert mind and was aware of the distinctions versus just saying, I want to be like my mom. Well, in these areas, yes. But over here in these areas, there's got to be another way. And so that is where this whole, you know, sacred self-caring woman paradigm, juicy woman paradigm came from is I saw how so many women were living. And yes, they might be accomplished in doing a lot, but they were also worn out and worn down, never felt they could could just take a break. The world would fall apart. The family would fall apart. So much they felt was pivoting and resting on their shoulders. I'm like, oh my God, that's so burdensome. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in that, in that belief system. 
Um, and then we can unconsciously and unintentionally be disempowering and disabling others because we're doing way too much in the name of helping and supporting. So that was what I kind of turned upside down and turned on the side and really looked at what the beliefs were, what was the programming along generational lines that had us, so many of us doing life this very certain way as women. And I'm like, eh, I'm not interested in that. There's got to be another way. So that is really where my first book and my second book and even my third book came from. And so that's why I call them transformational books because I'm talking about a completely different paradigm and construct from which to view self and from which to live life. And, um, and the results are incredible and amazing and lengthy and many so one of them is self-intimacy. You talked about one's life mission and life assignment. Well, a sacred self-caring woman is highly aware of her gifts, her talents, her skills, her abilities, her assets, her underdeveloped areas. Um, and she's able to articulate them because her level of self-knowledge and self-connectedness is higher than most because she actually actually spends time with and enjoys being with herself and her own energy and her own thoughts versus running from it. So, um, so yes, we find that our self-clarity, our self-intimacy, our self-concept, our self-love, all of that starts to heighten um, when we shift into the sacred self-caring paradigm. Mm. I love that self-intimacy because... There's a lot of women, like you're saying, they're they're either going, 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 busy, busy, busy. They they're, they're they don't even like to spend time with themselves and stop. They have to fill that in, like go yes. do something, not just sit and just just <laughs> sit and witness what's happening around you. You know, I always say that we have this beautiful willow tree behind us, and she's grandmother willow tree. And I speak to her every day, and I thank her for her energy and for her healing and inner vision and dreams, what she represents. And I just look at her and I, she's out by her deck now. She's come so far out and I just touch her and just mm. in the moment of the presence of her presence and being in the presence with myself and my soul and higher self. Yes. Oh, it's amazing. One of my um, women's retreats, this was one I did a few years ago and it was called Sanctuary. Mm. <laughs> And part of sanctuary, when you woke up day two, was two hours of sacred silence. Mm -hmm. And part of that was there was old growth trees on the property where I held the retreat. And one was to go out and have a conversation with the living nature embodied in the tree. And there was always wisdom that women came back from those conversations with the trees, asking them questions. And, the, and oh, some of the trees were humorous. It was amazing. But also in those two hours, because they were not talking, they weren't filling their minds with more talking from other people or screen time where more things are coming in through your eye gate or through your ear gate. It was sacred silent time. So many things they had questions about, 
thought they had a problem, they hadn't been able to figure out a solution that had been evading them, hear themselves think, and they had space to hear the divine responding to their questions. Mm -hmm. And so, so much gets sorted out when we are just communing with nature and we allow time for silence. Um, I wish more of us could do that, would do that. We can do it. I wish more of us would do that. And even start off, if they can't sit there, you can't sit there for, you know, 10 minutes, sit there for five minutes or do that walking in nature. Um, I know when those moments come up, I, I posted something on my site the other week because the trees, we had a storm coming and I loved the storm coming in. I loved the feel of it and the change in the air. And I got that, ah, there's changes of season. There's a change coming. And I just honor that. And then I go write it down. So I posted Pocahontas (laughs) with her changing of seasons in her movie because I could feel it and then just see where that takes me. And I really came it to be like a blog or go into a book. And I thought, ah, it's important to talk about this. And also that things like this too will pass and for people to realize to give them tools when they're in difficult times. There's so many areas I know I can't even cover in this interview today, Debrina. Um, we might have to do this again. <laughs> but Of course. Yes. Uh, I'd like you to share with us today uh, the special gift. And I know you're giving more than one. So thank you from my heart for that, for our listeners today that you've created. Yes. Well, um, you know, as I mentioned, this, this topic of chief design officer of your life has been part of my teachings for several years now. So um, one of the gifts is an actual article I wrote on being CDO of your life, because for many, this is going to be a new concept. And so we (laughs) want to usher them into uh, a foundational understanding of what does that mean? And how does that shift how I navigate this life I have? Mm -hmm. And then secondly is one of my eBooks called think it, write it, declare it. I am so big on the power of um, intentional writing and intentional journaling and intentional declaring and intentional describing um, that this ebook is really focused on the relationship um, between the inner thought, the written thought, and the declared thought, meaning spoken, and how it fuels and amplifies um, the the process of manifestation. So think it, write it, declare it. The ebook, and then also uh, being CDO of your life. Um, a couple of juicy articles. I think you also have Becoming Fierce, Fabulous, and Fearless. I think that was in there too, which is... Yeah, that's one of the, that's the title of one of the articles on being CDO. Yes. 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 And I'm glad you mentioned in there because we didn't get to really touch upon affirmations and declarations and, you know, how powerful those two two things that we can do in our life. So I'm glad it's in the book because we couldn't get it to it today. Oh, you know what? I just remembered one more. I think I, I did three gifts actually. Um, and the third one is um, your listeners can order the sacred self care toolkit. And inside of that toolkit, there is an audio of 25, I think it's 25 um, affirmations and it's my voice speaking them. So for those who that might be new for, um, that is one of the gifts they can avail themselves of through the, through the Sacred Self-Care Toolkit is an audio version of some of my favorite 
affirmations. Cool. And I want the listeners to know that all the links to Debrina and these gifts will be below this episode in the show notes. Debrina, thank you so much for sharing from your heart and soul, your oh. wisdom. Yes. On, on thank how to, you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for doing this and making this available to the world. And I'm just so humbled and honored to be one of your awesome guests. Oh, you're so welcome. And you shared really how to become the CDO of your life and how to create a deeply fulfilled and joyful life. Namaste. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast with Moira Sutton. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please join our community at moirasutton.com and continue the discussion on our Facebook page, Create the Life You Love. You will be part of a global movement connecting with other heart-centered people who are consciously creating the life they love on their own terms. Together, we can raise our consciousness for the greater good of humanity and for our planet.